Listeners, start your engines. of Andy Barkley. This is the end, friend. Franchise Detours, Episode 9. Rob here. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. If you can give us a rating and or review on Apple, we'd really appreciate it. Help get the word out about the show. We have a lot of good stuff coming up, including Evil Dead, Mad Max, etc., etc., in 2022, but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. On this episode, uh, film critic Angie Aguayo, joins the show to kick off the end of our Child's Play slash Chucky mega series. This is 2017's Cult of Chucky. This is all she wrote for Chucky on the big screen. Well, this is not even on the big screen, I guess, is it? Uh, in the cinematic format, uh, in feature length, I guess. Let's put it that way. And uh, it was a really fun conversation. It's an underrated film. Uh, I mentioned on last the previous episode with Sandro Falci from uh, Oldie But a Goodie about how Curse of Chucky is is really Diamond Cini kind of coming into his own as a filmmaker, as a director. And Cult of Chucky, I think, really builds on that. I think you see a lot of artistic flourishes here. You see a much more confident director behind the camera this time around. And uh, But this is our final episode of this first mega series. So that also means... At the end of this episode, after all is said and done, I will be back here with the outro, breaking down exactly how this all shook out. What did our guests all think of this uh, this mega series? How do they rank this franchise from beginning to end? But before we get to that, let's get to our conversation with Angie Aguayo talking about Cult of Chucky. Let's get it going right now. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. We are continuing our Child's Play mega series here and actually wrapping it up with 2017's Cult of Chucky. So I'm honored to welcome to the show Angie Aguayo. Welcome Hi, to the show. how are you? Oh, hi, <laughs> You're good. You're good. So tell people a little bit about yourself before we get into the Chucky of it all. Okay, I'm a I'm a film student. I'm in my I'm going into my senior year at Weber State University in Utah. I I started a film review blog a few years ago, and I've been really into movies for a long time. <laughs> and horror is my favorite genre. So I was when you asked me to come on and talk about a horror movie, I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. And and the the funny thing is too, this franchise is I, I feel like it's very niche. And I think part of it is because, as we were alluding to right before we started the show, it, it it's basically three iterations of the this franchise mashed into one. Uh-huh. And I, I, I was that's why I was really I really felt like I needed to do my research here and recruiting guests. And so I found your letterbox review on Cult of Chucky, which we'll get to in a moment. But before we do that, First of all, tell people where they can find your your blog and and then give me your your general your history with this franchise. Oh, okay. So my my blog is Angie Aguayo Reviews, just one word, dot home dot blog. It's a WordPress site. And you can also find it by it's it's linked on my letterbox. That's at, at Tom Needs a Glass, one word. Nice. And what about your general history with uh, Child's Play? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, it's okay. I ran through it right before the quarantine started just because I needed, I, I try to, I always try to catch up myself on different franchises that I missed as a kid. Right. I, I recently, not recently, but like I've begun, I've been going through, <laughs> sorry, the MCU and Star Wars because I missed those as a kid. And around this time last year, I did the Child's Play series. So it's not, I didn't grow up with it, but I do love a lot of them. Right. Yeah, it's, it's 
I wouldn't recommend this being a franchise people grow up with watching as kids. Of course. <laughs> it, it is so violent. I'm in my late 30s. So this was one of the classic run to a video store and see like, look at the back of the boxes and be like, whoa, that looks really messed up. And then put it back before your parents <laughs> see what you're doing. It was one of those kind of franchises. Sure. Uh, just because just the imagery of just Chucky, you know, like looking deranged, holding a knife was freaked me out as, as a little kid who hadn't, who was way inappropriate, way too young to see any of these things. So had you seen any of them before or you just started from scratch, like going in blind? I started from scratch. I started with Child's Play nice. on uh, February 13, 2020. Nice. Oh, well, then I'm really interested to see, to hear what the experience was like for you watching this franchise unfold, going from the first three that are, you know, pretty Andy-centric, <laughs> to yeah. Bride and Seed, which are basically the Ch Chucky and Tiffany story, to Curse and Cult, where we have Nika as the as the protagonist, and then circling back around to Tiffany and Andy. What was that experience like watching them all in, in relative close uh, succession? It is really bizarre. It's a weird... <laughs> <laughs> it is but i had been watching do you know james a janice from dead meat mm -mm, no he's this horror channel and he does like kill counts for a horror movie once or twice every week nice and he did the chucky series early and i watched most of them and i was like oh okay so i i had a gist of like how weird and messed up i was gonna get <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it. Yeah, it completely. It com yeah, go ahead. I no, 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 no. I, go ahead. I was gonna say it completely evolves over time because even even the the characters in the movie, I think, right around Bride and See, they it start they start getting very self aware. In my Bride of Chucky conversation, we we talked about how Chucky's like our story is pretty crazy. In fact, if we made a movie, you need three or four sequels <laughs> just to just to do it justice. And they exactly. start like there's all these homages to classic horror movies. Obviously, Bride of Chucky is a pretty pointed Bride of Frankenstein fact exactly is featured in the movie. So it's by the time we get to Curse, it's it again shifts to a brand new character, Nika, played by uh, Fiona Dorif, Brad Dorif, who does the voice of Chucky, his real life yeah. daughter, which has to be That's weird lovely. on multiple levels. <laughs> oh, but it's so cute. <laughs> it's cute, but then you have, in, in Cult of Chucky, you have her doing an impression of her dad doing Chucky's voice at, at one point <laughs> towards the end. So it just like blows my mind that that how deep this this franchise gets. So yeah, so I I was doing research for recruiting guests for this mega series, and I found your letterbox review on Cult of Chucky, and you were very, needless to say, very complimentary about this movie and saying how how it's completely underrated, how how the Don Mancini's choices here are, are like genius level. What was your impression of Cult of Chucky just initially? And then we'll circle back to how it contributes to the franchise. <laughs> okay. I'm actually looking at my letterbox for you trying to like remember my, what my first impressions were. I did think it was weird how like as a even as like a directed video movie, it was weirdly stylized. Yeah. Definitely. Like it, it looked so, you could tell it was like low budget directed video, but at the same time, it looks really cool for some reason. Yeah. I think it's, I think part of it is the, the setting you tour to touch on it. It's set in the mental hospital, which right off the bat, I'm getting like nightmare on Elm street three vibes, which is, is a compliment. Of course. <laughs> Good. I think it's by far one of the most beloved Elmans Elm Street movies. And, and it has this minimalist vibe. I've watched a, a couple of the special features on the on the Blu-ray to get in the Cult of Chucky headspace after re-watching it. And that's clearly what he's going for. He he I think Don Mancini knows when you get to this deep in a horror franchise, if you don't shake things up, you're gonna you're going straight. I think you're released directly into the bargain bin at Walmart at that point. And oh, yeah. the fact, yeah, go ahead. Please. No, I, yeah, that's part of what I think that's part of why they shake it up so much. The series, mm -hmm. it's not always a good shake up. Obviously, Bride and Seed are some of the worst in the franchise, but at least they're keeping it fresh. Right. It depends who you ask. I, Bride, I've seen 
appreciated a lot of the time by horror fans. Seed is much more divisive. I think that <laughs> one is more people are like, there are some people are like, no, no, you need to go back and watch it. And then most people are like, I, I don't know. That's if there's if there's a, an entry where this franchise jumps the shark, if that's possible with the, with the Chucky franchise, I think a lot of people feel like that was with Seed. And then because of that, I feel I feel like a lot of fans just jumped off the bandwagon and are missing out on Curse and Cult, which is a real shame because I think that those are I don't I don't know if they are they the best in this series. I don't know. We'll we'll get to your ranking at the end, but yeah. I definitely think they're an improvement on Seed and it reinvigorates it yet again. So I, I I really appreciate that Don Mancini did that. And the fact that he's one writer that's been behind this entire franchise is, is insane to me. Yeah, it's it's his baby. That's his, The series is his baby. Yeah. Totally. His and I guess just his and Dorf's. But oh, that's what that's what gets me about the remake. I <laughs> I don't even want to touch on that. Yeah. That makes I, me that makes me so mad when I think about it. It's really weird too because the uh, the first one I believe was an MGM movie and then the sequels were all universal so technically MGM owns the rights to the original so now they're they did the remake meanwhile Universal is doing the the show set after this movie so it's like I don't there's like this weird bifurcation in the Chucky franchise that now it's at war with itself which considering the the wild places this series goes feels about right honestly it's like yeah, yeah. of course it is it does make me kind of sad, though. Yeah, yeah. That they, it's kind they, of they took it away from Mancini. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would add Jennifer Tilly to that list now too. After Bride and Seed, and then these two, she's as integral as as Dorif at this point. Now it feels like, of course, yeah. Oh, she's great. <laughs> she's yeah. We we uh, my Bride of Chucky episode. We were just like, oh, and she's the whole movie. Like she's the MVP of this thing for sure. And she she brings the whole thing up another level when she comes in as as Tiffany or or <laughs> this is a great moment in this movie where she she's on the phone with Andy and he's like, who is this? She's like Tiffany Jennifer. I don't know. <laughs> Even, Even I, I forget. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's like the 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 series poking fun in its own like convolutedness at that point it's just like i don't know we wanted jennifer tilly in these movies we killed tiffany's human body in in bride so we were like sure bring her back as jennifer tilly and just reinvigorated that way what watching these in order i'm assuming you saw the post-credits scene and curse with andy making a cameo appearance there yes yes i did yeah so Going from that one, did you expect Andy to have such a, a major role comparatively in this one? Or did you, did you did you just write that off as, oh, that's cute. They got him back for a cameo. Again, I watched the the kill count for it. So I knew he was a big part of it. Oh, uh, okay. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was a surprise. I like that they keep bringing back the same people. Like one of my favorite things about Cult of Chucky is that like the... The Child's Play series has gone so far off the rails, but with Cult of Chucky, it brings like all three iterations back together. Yeah, 100%. It's like 100%. a greatest hits uh, album. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, that's what I mean. Like it, it, the, the, the first three, the, the four and five, and these two don't, shouldn't so, coexist. Like they shouldn't make sense in, in one franchise because the tones are so wildly all over the way. You mentioned in your, in your letterbox review for cult that curse was like maybe the most Gothic of the series. And it, so. it is, it's darker than the first, than the first ones are the first three try and balance like the campy elements with actual suspense. And then the middle ones are just like, yeah, we don't care about like <laughs> building this up or <laughs> genuine scares. We're just like, this is a, it's like a funhouse mirror of a movie. It's basically at that point. a comedy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And then here they're like, well, what if we have Tiffany and Chucky doing their thing like in Bright and Seed? But then we also have yeah, these darker elements. We have like the gore, I feel like, is turned up way in these last two, even more so than, than previous films. And then they bring back Andy on top of it. It's kind of a magic trick that they're able to pull that off and make it feel somewhat cohesive. Yeah, Don Mancini might just be a genius. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that this opens, this we haven't seen Andy since he was played by a different actor in Child's Play 3. And here mm -hmm. we catch up with him and he's a survivalist. He's got an arsenal of weapons and it's dealing with the PTSD of being 
being hunted by a killer doll multiple times throughout your childhood. It, it reminds me a little bit of like uh, Sydney from the Scream movies who like is, becomes more and more of a recluse as that franchise goes on. That's another great series. I was oh, going to sit- definitely get oh. there. I will I'll definitely get to those at some point. I was going to say that I think the the reason that Bride of Chucky is so like meta commentary is it came out two years after Scream. Mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking that, and like the cover, the the poster even looks very Scream adjacent. Yeah, it's it feels basically like a riff on Scream too. With the two Which, like, faces. everyone was doing. So right from the beginning here, with Andy on that awkward date, we get flashbacks to the original. It feels, it, it's already jarring. It's, it's, I think, the third time that I watched Cult of Chucky. And even, every time I forget that it starts on Andy, not Nika, you know? I was six. My babysitter was murdered. Along with my teacher and my caseworker and 37 other people over the years that I'm aware of. And they never caught him? Put it this way. Justice was done. Wait! Play with this. Look, Andy, um, I think you're a nice guy, but uh, this is just too much for me. And it's, so it's, it's immediately Don Mancini be like, hey, you thought we forgot about that guy where Andy is going to be a pivotal part of this story going forward. So what was your, what was your reaction? I guess, well, you saw the kill count, so you knew a little bit of this going in, but what was your reaction to where Andy has ended up in his adult life, not only prepared for, for anything, but outsmarting Chucky and then keeping his severed head to hang out with slash torture? <laughs> yeah, that did throw me off, him hanging out with the head, but... Like, in terms of him being, like, so cool and so badass now, obviously he was just a little, a cute little kid in the first two, but he was, like, he could do some stuff in that movie. Like, he he did put Chucky in his place a lot of the time. Yeah. And so it's not, I don't think it's that, I'm not suspending so much disbelief, believing that he turned into this badass and called Chucky. Right. Yeah. I think it fits. It's just, it's, you not, not only does it make sense that he would be traumatized from the events of the first three movies, but he went to a military school. Obviously we get a a visual callback to what is it? Kent military Academy where he attended and things Mm -hmm. like that. It's so it makes sense that he would be able to defend himself and be ready and trying to uh, unravel this case once he sees all these newspaper articles of like, is Chucky at it again? How did that happen? Because the events of Bride and Seed and Curse have happened. So he's, as we find out throughout the course of this movie, he's not only on top of what Chucky's been up to, he's actively tried to convince the doctor. So it's like, Nika's not crazy. Look, there's a doll there. The head is talking, which mm-hmm. I think that, that even for this, this series, I feel like that's a little... A little crazy that the doctor's just like, yeah, no, that's you should be in the movies. I'm like, dude, there's a head talking to you. It's bleeding. I guess he just assumes it's makeup, but it's also like, uh, it's frustrating. They're not seeing what's right in front of their faces. Mm-hmm. That does happen in a lot of horror movies, and that that tends to, that tends to irk me a little bit. That one trope where it's like the adults are in disbelief or aren't believing the final girls or whatever who are clearly right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole movie is that like the first child in a different way than the original film is the original film. It's the little boy being like, Chuck, he's talking to me. And so you can just dismiss it. Oh, he's got, it's an imaginary friend or whatever. He's lonely since his dad's not around, et cetera, et cetera. But in here, they they do a similar trick, but in a completely different context because you're Mm -hmm. dealing with all like mental patients who have, different forms of trauma and, and are working through psychological issues. So of course they're not the most reliable sources of information. Mm-hmm. And I really love the way that, that they pick that back up, but in, in a surprising way. I do like that. Yeah. That's why I thought like, it's such a cool idea to place cult of Chucky in a mental asylum, like specifically this entry, this franchise. I think it's a yeah. really great idea. And isn't it 
isn't it implied that like Andy's mother after the events of the first movie goes to an asylum? I think it is. Yeah, it is at some point that that she does spend time there. I feel like there's the Easter eggs that at some point she's out and she's like with the the police officer played by Chris Sarandon, whose name I'm blanking on right now. So there's a lot of threads there that they could pick back up on. But yes, I believe she did do some some time there. Yeah, so even if that's like a small thing to catch up on, I think it's cool that they went back around on that. Right. They were like, right. okay, that was a great idea, so let's flesh it out more. Yeah. And every single one of these movies ends with lots of loose threads, whether it's just to tease that Chucky's reign of terror will continue or whatever's going to come next. Obviously, Bride ends with the birth of of the seed of Chucky. And then mm-hmm. Seed of Chucky ends with Jennifer Tilly being embodied by Tiffany. Curse ends with Nika institutionalized and Chucky basically playing hide the soul with Alice, which again is picked up on and referenced in this movie. So it's it, it really builds on itself. And I don't know how much of that Don Mancini has like planned, like how much he's planning on like, oh, if we do another one, this will happen. Or if it's just telling the story bit by bit as he goes along, because it, it feels like it could go either way. Yeah, that's a good point. Like it, it does feel like at points it feels planned out, but of course, like between Child's Play 3 and Bride of Chucky and then between Seed of Chucky and Curse of Chucky, they're two like major shifts and it doesn't seem yeah. it doesn't seem like they're very like tied together no no exactly until exactly. cult and that's yeah and it bring it brings it all back around which is which is wild i did notice that the fact that the fact that alice comes back in here which again as i was watching this i forgot about the alice part of it Me too. i was even i was even going to write in my notes i'm like oh maybe alice could be a part of you know the show when that happens and then this movie as it unfolds i was like oh yeah Alice is not around anymore and they address exactly what happened alice was essentially the original cult member for the cult of chucky Mm-hmm. And and I think that it, it, that's that's the big twist that this movie adds to the mythos is the concept that Chucky could <laughs> transfer his soul into multiple into multiple dolls into multiple people and he's Agent Smithing it in the Matrix sequels just like <laughs> armies of Chucky everywhere and and it's 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 cool that this movie taps into the potential of hey if you can copy your soul. Why aren't you? Why aren't you? You know, leaning into the potential havoc that that can create. Yeah, like at the very end, where one of the Chucky dolls goes into Nika, and it's specifically, yeah. isn't it specifically Charles? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting, and I'm. That makes me so curious where the series is going. Like, I would love to see Fiona Dorif and Jennifer Tilly just causing mayhem out there. <laughs> I think that's definitely got to be part of it. And the fact that this is the first time, I think when I watched this initially, just, I think I saw it a couple of years ago. They used to be on Netflix, Curse and, and Cult. And I think that's mm-hmm. where I first saw them. When you get that moment with the two Chucky dolls passing in the hallway, it, it's like your, your brain explodes. You're like, wait a minute. Two Chucky dolls in the same, because we've never seen that before. We've seen like the the factory, obviously, with them all in the packaging, yeah. et cetera. But we've never seen two dolls that are possibly possessed at the same point. And it raises the possibility that we think that multiple Malcolm is, is Charles for part of this movie, which that was a hilarious twist that I also forgot about at the end. Yeah, that was a great bit. I loved that. <laughs> And I love that um, nearing the end when Malcolm kills that one nurse and Fiona as, or sorry, Nika as Charles is just so unimpressed with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's fun. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. So, you know, a lot of times, I, I on this on this show, we try and talk about like any shifts in genre or tone with this one, but I feel like this this builds naturally on Curse. I think the only things it, it brings, it the only things it brings to the franchise, other than the multiple Chucky the cult element of it, is bringing back elements that were dropped off in the first ones, Andy, and kind of bringing Tiffany back around. We, we got a little bit of her in Curse, and here she comes back in a, in, a more, in a more substantive way. And 
let's see. The fact that Nika not only is institutionalized, but even she thinks that she's the one that did it initially at the beginning of the movie, which I, I think is a really, a really fascinating place to start that character's journey off this time around. It does add a different layer to it. I like, I do like horror movies where it's like in in that vein, you're not really sure if what they're telling you is true. Yeah. And I do, it's also some of my favorite horror movies, like Rosemary's Baby. It's like she is completely being gaslighted by everyone around her. And that's kind of how cold Chucky is. She knows, I'm assuming like, she knows in her heart of hearts that she didn't do it. Assuming she didn't do it. But everyone around her is gaslighting her so much that it's hard to, it's hard to remember like, if she actually did it or if she, well, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's good. Go for it. Yeah. And, and the fact that th- this movie is so dark that l- as if we didn't, as if we needed any more bleakness, the doctor is basically sexually assaulting her, like throughout her whole stay in the hospital, which oh. even Chucky is appalled by that. Yeah. He's like, oh, this guy, I don't know if I should be disgusted or taking notes. I think he's, I think he says something like that. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> so what's what's so great about this movie is that it it they 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 keep they, they're trying to marry the darkness and suspense of the first few at least the, the 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 inherent in the premise of the first few and then keeping Chucky and Tiffany they their elements of uh their humor their personality doesn't really change too much from Bride and C they're the same characters there but they sprinkle that humor in throughout the the meta jokes about Jennifer Tilly the, the, his interaction with oh man I can't remember the character's name but his interaction with the, that the one lady in the hallway where she she thinks she's seeing things and he's like yeah. I'm a killer doll a mass market toy from the 80s she's uh, Angela. not yeah, Angela, thank you. And she's not registering. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You're next. <laughs> I'm coming back for you. It's just you get you get the perfect balance of of the the comedy and the horror. There's like some there's some sequences in here that are legitimately horrific. And uh, some of the imagery, particularly I would say, man, I wish I had this thing. I can't remember anybody any of the characters names. Madeline Particularly Madeline's death, I was like, "Oh God!" That he he basically rips her her tongue and then shoves his arm in there, and that whole thing was just very very grotesque and exactly what fans of the series want. What are your thoughts on the level of violence and the horror elements here, and how they're integrated with the comedy? Well, that's another thing I love about this. I think all of the kills in this movie are great. Yeah, that's another that's another thing that sets it apart from a lot of direct DVD movies. I think. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to think of the other kills. Like the one lady is her wrist is slit with the wire, right? Right. Right. The exact same wire that Nika used for her her attempted suicide and then Chucky rescues her and stitches her up and I loved the the imagery of her arm all stitched up because it, it feels like almost foreshadowing, like a visual cue of like the stitching on Chucky's face on the other, the previous, from previous movies. So it's like, it yeah. felt to me watching it this time, foreshadowing that like, oh, Charles is, is he's going to, he's going to want to hop into that body at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And the kill where the glass ceiling above the one lady is broken and is, the glass falls on top of her. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. It felt it felt like a a little bit of a reference back to Bride of Chucky, where it has kind of a similar glass falling on. It's that that like uh, con artist couple at the, the wedding chapel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like this one was more effective. I don't know, just the way it was shot, the fact that we get the decapitation. It's just like wow, you went there, Mancini. And the fact that these last few, he's he is writing and directing it. This is his, yes. this is only his third movie. He's only directed Chucky movies so far. And yeah. he you're getting his like pure unadulterated vision of this of this franchise and it's it's so fun to watch him try and fit all these pieces together that he's created over the years. It is fun, yeah. But I have to say my favorite kill in the movie is one of the Chucky dolls sma- or was it no, I think it was Nika smashing the doctor's head. And you just yeah. see the, all the 
oh, the blood and gore looks so good. Yeah. That feels like a weird thing to say, but like... <laughs> no, no, it, it it looks very like visceral. And yeah, I don't know what some of these effects artists use for like smashed up head bits, but it looks like what I would imagine it would look like. It's like, I don't know if there's like mashed up raspberries in there or something, but it get like a <laughs> fruit vibe from it. And they, they have kind of a similar effect later on when Andy shoots, or I think he stomps on Chucky, the Chucky doll that's in the, the cell at the end of the mm-hmm. movie. We got like a little bit of, the, of a similar thing, but yeah, it's Charles in Nika's body being like, this is for Nika smashing his head. And if we're going to, since we're, since we're on the topic of creative kills of which this movie has many, we get that, that callback in, uh, I think in Bride where Tiffany's like, oh, stabbings are so eighties. Like this is the nineties, Chucky. You got to be a little more original. <laughs> and then by the time you get to this one, you have three Chucky's on uh, Carlos, one with a drill, one with a blade, one with, I don't even remember, uh, one with a scalpel and they're all like hacking away at him. Uh, and then having a conversation about it, about who who did the coolest kill. It's just like, wow. He made the funniest face when I drilled him. Did you see the steam when I sliced open his guts? I never felt so alive. Yeah, well, you've been alive for like two minutes. <laughs> Welcome to the cult, pal. Thanks. You guys are the best. Right. Now I'm going to go kill Andy. No, I want to kill Andy. I earned it. I've been through a lot today. You got to suck pity today. Look what happened to me. Hello? Look at my head. Oh, shit. You win. Absolutely. Sorry, pal. You go fuck him up real good. Have fun. It's that that was not only one of the one of the mo- one of the wildest moments in the movie but from what i understand one of the hardest ones to pull off because they've never had several chucky dolls on screen at the same time before yeah it had to have been hard like even in the original child's play there are parts where you can like really tell it's like a a kid or a small person in the doll yeah <laughs> yeah technology has come so far i assume it's easier now but it still can't be that easy yeah, th- that's the other thing too. These movies, the the puppetry has gotten better and better. Like with every movie, it looks more effective and less less wonky. And you you can tell that they're they've really innovated how they how they bring Chucky to life on screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that scene really shows that off. There's there's the moment where Nika has the vision of older Alice, the same actress returning from the movie four years earlier, picks up relatively in real time. Cult of Chucky. And you have that shadow of, of Chucky with the knife. And I thought that like growing as he moves closer and closer and closer to Nika in that vision. And I thought that was such a beautiful shot. Like the, the, the fact that Mancini is this new of a filmmaker and, and, and be able to pull things like that off is really astounding to me. Yeah, it, it does help that he seems to really love horror. 100%, it, yeah. It does seem like a lot of people in this franchise, I think that's why it works so well. They all love horror and they will tell you they love horror. It may, I feel the same way about... Have you seen Reanimator? I haven't. That's actually one of the classic ones I need to watch. Well, like every every member of that crew and cast pretty much exclusively does horror movies. And that, that kind of tells you like how much they're willing to do and how much they love the genre. And I feel the same way about Cult of Chucky. Mm-hmm. Like Jennifer Tilly, Brad Dorif, Don Mancini, they're all here and they love not only the Chucky franchise, but they seem to love horror in general or else they wouldn't keep doing it. With exactly. This much, with this much love, yeah. And you can feel that when you watch these movies. Like there, we said right before we started recording, these movies are all very, very brisk watches that's that's the one of the things that i'm thankful of just doing that that i'm starting the the first mega series of the show on this franchise because they are so smooth to rewatch. there you you mentioned that this one was probably the longest at 91 minutes and they are very tightly edited like there's not really any moment or any scene where you're just like yeah okay it just keeps moving It, it doesn't let up until you get to the end of it and i love that that they're they go down so smooth and they're so fun to watch. You don't, you can feel that that's that energy coming off the screen from the cast, the crew and the writer and director and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love that, that 
they they make these movies to be fun to watch. They're not supposed to be self-serious, obviously. They're yeah. not supposed to be a chore. Like if you're going to make a movie about a killer doll and it's not fun to watch, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I actually got that number wrong. Uh, Curse of Chucky is six minutes longer, but okay. that's still not very long. Yeah, it's still 90-something minutes, max. Yeah, uh, when you're getting a lot of horror movies now that are like two hours, two and a half. I'm like, that's too long for a horror movie. Unless it's a filmmaker's magnum opus or something, it shouldn't be like a horror movie that's like two plus hours. I, I did wanted to, to shout out a couple things here. We talked about how how and this movie connects Andy and, and Nika and ignites the Andy-Chucky dynamic. That's one thing that I really love about it. Freddie has Nancy and Michael Myers has Laurie Strode and Chucky's original major nemesis is, is Andy Barkley. And so we get him back in here, which really invigorates this franchise in a, in a major way, in addition to keeping Jennifer Tilly and then keeping Nika and keeping all these other people, all these other like now regular players mm-hmm. in rotation, bringing Andy back, I think was a really smart way to, to bring it full circle. It was like, I'm, I mentioned that it feels like greatest hits compilation in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it evolved. It feels like an evolution. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like a, a left turn. It feels, it feels like a natural progression, even though there's been, there's been so many detours along the way. Just well, let's try this. Let's make it a comedy. Let's just follow these characters. Let's just yeah. let's introduce. It, it makes it feel like it all coexists in the same world. And I think that's really key to keeping this franchise um, alive. I love the fact how it feed the movie feels like Chucky meets One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Brad Dorif was Oscar nominated for that movie. He even calls out Cuckoo's Nest at one point, Chucky in this, which I thought was really great. I, that's the other thing. These movies are so, they, you can tell that they're made by, like you were saying, they're made by lovers of horror because he likes to sprinkle in references to other horror movies. We said about how Bride has, Bride opens with this archive of the Leatherface's Chainsaw, Freddy's Claw, Michael Michael Myers' Knife, and Jason Voorhees' Something Hockey Mask. Pinhead. Yeah, Pinhead, Pinhead there's a Pinhead callback in there. This one we get, I think Madeline says, a boy's best friend is his mother, obviously a psycho reference. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things like that in here that I think build in, that, that are for the hardcore horror fans that are like, hey, we know these movies, we love these movies just like you do. I thought that was great. The fact that the, the doctor mentions that he got the, the Chucky doll, I think he says he got the Chucky doll at Hot Topic. And... <laughs> The fact that that Chucky would be the character who would have merchandise at Hot Topic. The fact that in Seed of Chucky, they were making a movie about the killing spree that they went on in Bride of Chucky and, and such. <laughs> I, I, yeah. It feels in-universe like it makes sense. It tracks. And to our earlier point, it feels very Scream-adjacent. In that, like Hollywood has an impact earlier in the series, and then they're referencing that, yeah, the larger world. There's like this urban legend about this killer doll. They made toys of it again. That's probably why they make good guys all over again. Is that the <laughs> Chucky's now famous because he's in the movie and all this other stuff? And so I, I thought that was a really fun way to tip its hat at its at its own past and and it, at its real life relevance. Um, there's a lot of mysterious packages showing up in these movies. I feel like this one, because of all the dolls, happens like three times. Like, we have this doll. Where did it come from? I don't know. It's a very pro <laughs> USPS franchise because there's people are constantly sending mail to each other so that they can get Chucky into different places. Let's see. The other thing that I love is Tiffany, of course, has to she has to sneak up on a cop and slit his throat with the nail file and like lick it clean because that's that's her move. Oh, that's great, too. The, I, I did notice that the, the rules of the voodoo spell obviously change a lot. This is not a franchise that's necessarily caught up in like, well, it has to be grounded. But the, they, introduced no, the, the, they introduced the amulet and bride, I think, unless that's in one of the earlier films. I don't think it is. And here it's gone again. And here it's just like the spell. It's actually a different spell. So maybe that's maybe that's why. Because he says that he found it on uh, voodoofordummies.com. So Chucky has has the internet now. So that's another new development. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were saying that like every movie seems to be connected to the next one. But also like if you're looking for continuity in this movie or in this <laughs> franchise, find watch another, like watch the Scream <laughs> series or something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, I, but the, it's... it's 
they, they keep the continuity with the characters. And that's what I really care about. Like, I don't really care about that. He gets the spell out of voodoo for dummies or anything. I, I, I think that's hilarious, actually. The it fact is. that they, that they, they keep bringing these characters back. The fact that and where Andy is now makes sense. That that's the thing that, that I, that I, that I like that I need. And I'm glad that they, they, stuck with that. I'm not, <laughs> if, if I was caught up on that doesn't make sense. I would be very concerned about how Chucky's soul goes into Nika. And so suddenly her legs work. I'm like, okay, that's not <laughs> how that works. It's not, no, but, <laughs> but then fun. again, t- it is, it is fun. <laughs> it is fun. It's great. Well, then you get her, Fiona Dorf gets her like Kaiser Soze, like swagger uh, coming out of the asylum moment, which is great. Where she, again, impersonates her dad doing Chucky's voice, grabbing herself, which must have been weird, doing an, an impression of your own father as his signature character, but like touching your breasts and like, oh, I was like, gross. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was the best decision, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> or they're just like, this is weird. We got to, we have to do it. I feel like Mancini has that, he has that chaotic energy that he'd be like, no, no, no. Now you have to, Fiona, <laughs> do that while you, while you use, uh, while you, while you're talking as Charles. I don't know. I, I also assume he's like a good dad. I, I assume he wouldn't be like, just like sexually assaulting her if she wasn't on board. Of course. Exactly. I'm sure that that was a conversation behind the scenes and they're like, Ooh, for people that know, you're, you're Fiona Dorof, daughter of Brad Dorof, and how that all fits together. People are going to be like, wow, that's awkward. People like us that read too much into this stuff, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I, yeah, I, I love all that weird shit. I think this is the franchise to have that weird shit. This is where it makes sense to, to do that, where you finally, you get adults, like what, 30, late 30s, Andy come in here with planted a gun inside that Chucky doll, which again was so smart. Like I love Andy in this movie. He's such a badass. And him reprising his famous line only with an F-bomb at the end. This is the end fucker, which is so great. (laughs) I love it. I I, I love that. I actually, oh, sorry. No, no, go for it. I I rewatched the movie before we, like a few weeks before this recording. Yeah. In my, in the opening of my review, I said, this is the end fucker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I like quoted it. Like, yeah. I, I just love that line so much. Yeah, it's great. It's it's great way to bring that back around and highlight the journey that Andy and Chucky have been on since 1988, where he, when he was, what, six years old, I guess, and, and confronted Chucky for the first time. So I, as we move this conversation along, what do you think is the, the Chucky franchises? How do you think it contributes not only to cinema, but like to the horror genre in general, what is the legacy of this franchise in your opinion? Oh boy. <laughs> it's not as influential as some other horror franchises, franchises I could list. Right. But it's also like, it does capitalize on like a basic, f- it's one of those uh, horror movies where like it takes something childish and takes out brings out your biggest fear in it yeah that that didn't make sense i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i had a point but i lost it well what i what i love about this one is that i think it, it what it does is it tries to not retcon that's the wrong word for it i'm thinking about how some movie franchises they like to circle back around and and make it seem as if everything was planned from the beginning like uh, Rise of Skywalker comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> Spectre comes to mind where they're like, oh, Aha, it was Blofeld planning all of this. I'm like, no, it wasn't, you asses. That's <laughs> not how that... And this this movie brings it back around and, and, and makes it seem like this is one story, even though it's been multiple versions, multiple protagonists, multiple directors. Like unifies Don Mancini's vision, which is why I'm so excited to see what he's going to do with the, which when this goes when this goes up may or may not have been have been has have premiered they haven't la- launched an official premiere date just yet but it's obviously coming to sci-fi and usa which which i'm curious about that approach so coming out of cult of chucky what what do you want to see in the in the tv series if this is what he does with a direct to video budget that means he could probably pull off something at least similar for television. So what what are we hoping to, to see come out of that? Yeah, I would love to see like the same directing in gothic style. Okay, I love the original two a lot, 
but this is probably my favorite iteration, the last few movies. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that they keep going in that direction. Like they can make it a little comedic, but like keep it mostly serious and really weird. You know? Yeah. I think really weird is a given at this point, <laughs> considering where we, where we left off. So just to touch base on the end of this movie. So Charles Chucky takes over Nika Nika gets in the car with Jennifer Tilly slash Tiffany and the Tiffany doll in the, in the back seat. So this is different. I don't know. Works for me. Some things never change, though. A true classic never goes out of style. You said that to me once. After stabbing a man 39 times. (laughs) What? I was just feeling bad about Alice. It was kind of nice having Alice around, you know? Nah, fuck that kid. <laughs> and I believe there's still Chucky dolls wandering in around the the hospital, and Andy is locked in one of the cells, presumably as set up to be the fall guy for everything that's gone on in 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 the asylum. So I'm really curious to see like what this is going to look like now, how much how much time will have passed by the time the show picks up? Uh, will, how many more, how many more Chucky cult members, whether doll or human will be inducted into it where Andy fits into this whole thing. And of course there's the missing piece of, I feel like this franchise that they, that Don Mancini and, and everyone in general have just collectively chose to ignore, which is Glenn, Glenn and Glenda who at the end of Seed were trans <laughs> yeah. you know, were were transferred into the souls of, of of Jennifer Tilly's human children that she had with Chucky. If you're listening to this and you haven't watched Seed of Chucky, don't ask. It's too long. We don't have time to get into it all. Uh, I actually described Seed of Chucky the other day to my wife because she's not really into these things. And I was like, so this is what happened. At the end, she was like, whoa, that was a lot. I was like, yeah. Uh, okay. it's, it's yeah it's it's a you had to be there kind of thing red man's involved it's a whole thing so i'm curious if they're gonna pick up on glenn and glenda because it sounds like so many of the of the actors from the movies are are on board and i i feel like that's the one element that like even if they're not an integral part of it like you have to give me some resolution there is is andy's foster sister kyle kyle gonna be in it as far as i know yeah Oh, good. I know who who also shows up. Yeah, I chose, that's. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot. That's. I, I had not selected. I think I just hit play movie on my Blu-ray, so it played the regular rated version and not the unrated version. So uh-huh. I I missed out on seeing that that uh, post credit scene with Kyle. But yeah, as far as I know, Kyle is supposed to be a part of the show. Oh, great! I hope she is. I can't. So wait. it's there. It's a real ensemble they can pull together from this. So it's like I don't know who's i'm assuming chucky would be the lead but then i feel like you're losing some of the some of the darkness i feel like it's going to be inherently more of a comedy and to your point i i agree i feel like this these last two movies hit the balance perfectly but i i can under i really enjoy bride and i'm really i don't know if enjoy is the right word really intrigued by what they did with seed so I'm like, I don't know why this is, but it's interesting. So I will give you that. But I can see why those might not work for some people. I think this these two movies found the, the perfect balance between having the elements that worked in Bride and Seed with the earlier films and mashing them all together. So I, I hope it, it it does lean more on the horror and not on the comedy. This isn't the Evil Dead franchise, like Ash versus Evil Dead, which was its own insane thing, but inherently comedic more than, more than anything else. So I, I, I agree with you. I hope that they, they do stick to, to that, to that vibe for the show. Any thoughts on, on Glenn and Glenda? And do you, do you even want them to be part of it? Since I know you're not the biggest fan of Seed. I thought, I actually thought Seed was okay. I liked it a lot more than a lot of people did. 
But I, I will give it this. It's one of the few horror movies I've ever seen that actually treats a trans character well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think there's a whole read of that of that movie with what it has to say about gender identity and things like that. I think that's that's an interesting subtext that uh, Mancini works in there. But I also feel like it may be one of the few things where Mancini is like, okay, let's... It's, it may be one of the few things that he's not proud of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll be curious to see what they do with it. But I think that it has the show has so much potential and opportunity to to dive into all these different characters. Because now it's when it started out, it was just Andy and Chucky, and now we have Andy and Tiffany and Chucky and Nika and et cetera, et cetera. The cult is growing all the time. Tiffany even says it. So it's like, who knows where the hell this is going to go and and how epic the story could be. I even saw something, and I don't know if this is true or not, that the show will be a bridge to another, to an eighth movie. So I'm curious to see if that's going to be the case or if they're just going to, if it's going to limited series it with, with Chucky or if it's going to be an ongoing thing. Because I think there's this movie, had they not gone the direction that they went with cults, I would be dubious about the potential of a TV show, but the fact that now this like basically breaks the whole, the whole universe wide open. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it, the whole world now is Chucky and Tiffany's sandbox to play in. And I'm really excited to see what Mancini does. I'm so glad that despite the remake, we're getting the opportunity for him to continue pursuing that and the partnership he's built with the two Dwarfs and, uh, and Jennifer Tilly and Alex Vincent. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm definitely curious to see where that's going to go. That definitely, so, ex- oh, that definitely, no, no, excites- <laughs> that definitely excites me. I also, I, I'm also looking at the cast for the Jackie series and apparently Devin saw was going to be in it from, uh, yeah, Final Destination. I saw that. that's really I saw cool. That. What if they mash? What if what if they throw Final Destination into this universe? That would oh might as well. <laughs> I I actually like guarantee they will. <laughs> you think so? They, they've done Scream. They've done all these different ones. Like I guarantee they're going to throw a Final Destination thing in there. Yeah, they have to. They have Devin Sawa. You got to at least throw in some. Maybe we'll get an Idle Hands reference. Who knows? With he, he's got a whole horror fan base of his own. So the original Stan, literally. So <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what, what he's doing in there. But do you generally, winding down, do you think that Cult of Chucky delivers on its predecessor? I know your answer to this, but how do you, coming off of, from Curse to Cult, is this, a, is this a smooth ride for the franchise or does it take a wrong turn here? No, I think it really, it does build on Curse in a really good way. And I think I think it's good. Even if it's like the finale for the movie series, I think it's a good finale. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I, I think it, 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 it takes curse in a, of course, characteristically unexpected direction for this franchise. But I, I think one that makes sense with everything we've seen before, could you please share your ranking for the franchise? I would love to, I'm really curious to hear how this is going to go. So starting from, I guess, your least favorite to your favorite or vice versa, whichever you prefer. Oh, sure. I can go to least uh, from least favorite to favorite. Okay. So my least favorite, I, I actually didn't mention it. I don't think I did, but it said Child's Play 3. Mm-hmm. And that then uh, Seed of Chucky. And then Bride of Chucky. And then those are the... Well, hold on. Actually, let me go back. Child's Play 3 and then the remake. <laughs> That's my oh, second least favorite. We don't, we don't count that mess. <laughs> I'm, oh, actually point, I'm actually pointedly not covering that partially because I feel like if, if I use this, if this podcast starts counting remakes as canon, I feel like that the, the lines are going to get very, very murky, very fast. And oh also God. it doesn't share continuity. So I'm like, mm, you're not really, you're not really part of this. You're that's nine, the 2019 is child's play in air quotes. Child's play is child's, what that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, child's play three, the remake and then seed of Chucky and then bride of Chucky and then curse and then child's play child's play two and then cult. Nice. Wow. So that's, that's a, a, uh, quite high praise for Cult of Chucky. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I really like this one. And I, I really love the way it sort of serves as a, as a culmination 
of everything that's come before. But the, the thing to me is that even when those movies don't work, they are interesting to talk about. And I think that's why I, that's the big part of why I wanted to talk about these movies, because even Child's Play 3, I feel like there's some things to unpack there. None of these movies are boring. Whether you like them or you don't like them, none of them, you're just like, eh, this is stupid. I'm like, this is doll walking around killing people. Pay attention. <laughs> there's, something, there's some enjoyment to be had from this, even if it's fleeting. Yeah, I think Child's Play 3 might be the most boring, but it's still like, it has moments. Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. you could, That one was also the one that was, I feel like, most rushed into production. I think it came out like nine months or something after Child's yeah. Play 2. It was, it, and yet they jumped. I mentioned this on my Bride of Chucky episode, that, that that one came out like less than a year after Child's Play 2. And then it's like eight years or seven years or whatever. I forget now. Seven years, I think, for, for Bride of Chucky. But the story of Brian Chucky picks up months after Child's Play 3. It's like they have to course correct the timeline yeah, there. Weird. It got a little weird. But yeah, so that's so that's our, our Child's Play uh, mega series, concluding with Cult of Chucky. Obviously, we're both looking forward to the Chucky TV show. Angie, can you tell people where they can find you online? Sure. Well, I already mentioned my my website, my letterbox. Again, that's angieguayoreviews.home.blog at my at my website. And then my letterbox is at Tom Needs a Glass. And then I also have a account on a music review website called albumoftheyear.org. That's also Tom Needs a Glass. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Angie, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Cult of Chucky. I, I, I knew I had to have you on this show once I saw your effusive praise for this movie, and I'm so glad we got to unpack it. Is there anything about Cult of Chucky? I, just, I should have asked this earlier, but is there anything about the movie we didn't talk about that you wanted to make sure we mentioned? I'm like going back on it. I think the one thing, we were talking about Malcolm's kill, where Charles was completely unimpressed. I was unimpressed too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the, the it's a cool idea, but it it just has the drill sticking up, going against physics on the nurse's chest, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like, "That's not how physics work, buddy." <laughs> I I can only suspend my disbelief so much. <laughs> but if, but if we didn't have that that interaction with Malcolm, we wouldn't have Malcolm being like, "Oh, Charles is is in he's in my head," and then. <laughs> Chucky literally being in his head. That was that was pretty funny. <laughs> Nika, Nika as Chucky as Nika got a big kick out of that. So that that was worth it. That was worth it. You gotta you gotta appreciate a, a, a like a really dark pun every once in a while. And I feel like these movies are tailor made for it. Oh, of course. <laughs> but yes. So Angie, thank you so much for coming on the show. We will definitely have to get you back on at some point. Just drop me a line. Let me know what what other franchises you're interested in covering, and I'll keep you I'll keep you on in mind. Sounds good. Maybe I'll send a friend request. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Please do. Okay, great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angie. Appreciate it. Of course. Big thanks to Angie Aguayo for coming on to discuss 2017's Cult of Chucky. But it is now the moment that we have all been waiting for. As I said, with these mega series, uh, we have every guest rank the movies so that in the end of this mega series, such as right now in the Chucky's case, we will tally those votes together and come up with a definitive ranking of those those movies in that franchise. Like which ones is everyone is the consensus among the guests that have come on franchise detours, spent their precious time talking Chucky with us, and the results were pretty interesting. So, in just for full transparency, what I did was basically if you if somebody picked Child's Play three in their seventh place. I assigned a number to each of those spots. So everything that was in seventh place had a seven. Everything that was in first place had a, has a, had a one. Added all that together to compile, you know, whatever has the lowest total at the end is first place and so on and so forth. So in seventh place, we have, and not surprised, honestly, is Child's Play 3 from 1991. Brandon Stanwick and I had a good Good conversation talking about why it's undervalued, as we can see, definitely is still among the, the the least, I guess, crucial to fans. As I as we said, still a fun movie, 
not quite as strong as some of these other ones. In sixth place, I don't know why I said sixth like that. Little uh, losing, I'm losing it, guys. Sixth place, we have Seed of Chucky from 2004. Matanato and I really delved into why that movie is so sort of misunderstood. It, it I think it, it was Don Mancini coming into his own as a filmmaker, directing for the first time, tackling a lot of sort of queer topics and really leading into the comedy in a way that didn't work for everyone. Again, still a fun movie, still a good watch, would recommend. Still sixth place, however. In fifth place, we have Curse of Chucky. As uh, we said on here, Sandro Fauci and I, in the previous episode of this podcast, talked about how it's essentially a haunted house movie featuring Chucky. What's not to love about that? Uh, the score we mentioned is really strong. The the sound design, the cinematography, like it's it's really Don Mancini figuring out how he can really rock this directing shit. And I think it's it's definitely one that people need to check out, especially if they dropped off after Seed. In fourth place, we have. Cult of Chucky, we just talked about it, Angie and I. Uh, Angie actually, as you heard, ranked it number one. She was she was by far the one that, that loved this movie the most. I, I appreciate it more than most as well. Definitely would recommend. Again, makes a great double feature with Curse and a nice solid lead into the Chucky television series currently running on Sci-Fi in USA. In third place, we had Child's Play 2, from 1990, definitely one of the horror sequels that I think kind of sets the bar as far as maintaining the quality of the original. It, this is not a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge, which is a fun movie, but it, uh, you know most people consider a pretty steep drop off in the first one. This is not a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, again, a movie a lot of people love, but not quite Toby Hooper's original. Uh, I think Child's Play 2 maybe suffers from being... You know, the novelty of the first one is sort of lost, and it does feel like it's treading similar water. But, hey, if that worked for you the first time, if it's not broke, why fix it kind of thing? And and it definitely delivers on all those fronts. Now, getting to the top two, this was very, very close race. I was, I as I was tallying these up, I was blown away by how tight this was because I knew it was going to be a squeaker one way or another. But in second place, with a score of 15 a score of 15 oh, we're gonna, we'll get to the difference in a second is second place bride of chucky from 1998 i really kind of thought bride of chucky was gonna get the win here just because most people i spoke to really love bride of chucky i think it was pretty much in first or second spot for most most guests i think it rarely broke out of the top three Uh, or fell below the top three, rather. So definitely, it's such a fun movie, as I said a couple times in the series. Really the crystallization of what a Chucky movie could be brought Tiffany into the fold, and it's really Chucky establishing for himself a place among the horror, uh, the great horror icons of cinematic history. And at number one, remember I said Bride of Chucky, score of 15. Number one, the original Child's Play from 1988, with a score of 14. We were one placement, one point away from Bride of Chucky. Uh, It's the original film, the one that started it all. We wouldn't be here without director Tom Holland, not that one. It's the original film. And I think it's it's a classic for a reason. It just it just works. As Bree and I really got into why that movie still holds up, why Alex Vincent's performance, as you know, it works for as for this, uh, for a child protagonist. Why Catherine Hicks and of course Brad Dourif's voice work still hold up. It's not. It's one of those films that doesn't feel like it should work as a serious horror film and yet totally does as like a, as a thriller, as a detective story, as kind of like with a, the, this family drama with her mom and the son uh, at the center of it. As I spoke in that episode talking as a parent and how that relationship really felt so, so relatable and so universal. Uh, no, no pun to the studio that got involved with the series later on, but it's it's a classic for a reason, and my personal ranking might have been a little bit different if I were to rank this. I really, again, my personal ranking didn't have anything to do with the voting here, with the scoring system. But if I were going to go, I would probably do uh, seven Child's Play, three six Seed of Chucky, five uh, five Cult of Chucky, four Child's Play, two three Curse of Chucky, two. 
Child's Play 1 and number one, Bride of Chucky. So, I mean, I'm not that far off from our guests. So this was a really fun exercise. This is the first mega series we've done, obviously. So it was really fun to hear how everyone's opinions on the franchise, its legacy, its history, its role in that genre, and the general cinematic landscape differ. So I wanted to just take this moment to thank everyone that has come on to talk about Child's Play and Chucky with me. This was so much fun as a you know new podcast. This, this is a brand new podcast I've started, the first mega series, and having Brie, Kevin, Brandon, Pablo, Matt, Sandro, and Angie come on here and talk about these movies with me was so much fun. It's really made me, I've been really, my wife even commented today, she's like, you've been really into horror this year. I'm like, well, I just talked about Chucky for months and I just talked about Evil Dead in, as you'll hear very soon, in our coming next mega series. So uh, it's given me a whole new appreciation for this franchise as a horror fan. And, and so I want to thank everyone that's come on to discuss Chucky with me for that. And thank all of you for listening. And I hope you stick around for our next mega series. As I mentioned, will be the evil dead. We're going to talk evil dead, the evil dead from 1981, evil dead Two, army of darkness and evil dead drop the thoughts cleaner from 2013. And uh, that's, that's what we have going on. Now I want to know if you, what were your thoughts on the child's play uh, franchise on this film do you were you satisfied with the way that the rankings shook out is the original child's play still number one in your book let me know on twitter at crooked table the same handle on instagram via email at robert at crookedtable.com for now that's a wrap on another crooked table production we'll be back next time with the evil dead from 1981 again with brie asmude from the geeky waffle and until then stay crooked everybody This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little KED.